All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the elusive Saturday edition of The Yard. We took yesterday off because there was not a baseball game on Thursday. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into last night's action. We'll get into preview today's two-seven inning doubleheader. We'll have that up for you shortly. And uh, excited to be with you. Coming to you from the Lone Star State of, State of, Lone Star State of Texas. 
pardon me, all due respect to our to our friends who live here in Texas. Uh, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good weekend so far. Mississippi State gets off uh, to a good start, a, uh, a delayed start, and we'll have an abbreviated series, of course, today. But uh, need to get all three of these games in, and the weather today is the best that it has been uh, since I have been here. And so there, there does not appear to be any reason we shouldn't be able to get both games in today. You cannot play two nine-inning games on the getaway day. They talked about playing two yesterday. Just what, there was no way. I mean, they looked at the radar, and we, we could have probably started around 1 o'clock and maybe got them in, but uh, there was some, some some type of deal with the SEC where they set the start time at 4 o'clock, and there's no way you're going to be able to play deep into the night like that. So they elected not to, and the rains came. So we'll uh, we'll try to get two today. I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmark. They're just an absolute Starkvillian institution. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who runs the show there. Uh, behind the scenes. Everybody there is so happy to help you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. If you can't make it to town and go get your picture made with Stand Man, we encourage you to shop online by going to campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code that'll save you a little cash. The phrase that pays is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So let's get right to it. Thursday, uh, you know, get here Thursday around 3 o'clock. And, uh, and the first thing that I'll tell you is uh, the exterior of Bluebell Park is magnificent. It is absolutely beautiful. Walking up here, I mean, you, you think, man, this is something else. Now, I have been here before, but it was back, uh, you know, I guess a little over 20 years ago when Mississippi State won uh, the regional here at, uh, at College Station with uh, Chris Reinecke closed. Jeremy Jackson got the start. Chris Reinecke closed, kind of closed that thing out. Chris Lauterhaus hit a home run. Uh, Richard Lee, that group. You know, just just a great ball team that went to Omaha. That's the last time I was here for baseball. Uh, and so a, a, a little bit has changed. But uh, the exterior of this facility is absolutely tremendous. And uh, when you walk up, it's almost like a cathedral of sorts. And uh, really, really impressed. Uh, you get inside, and it's... Um, it doesn't look a lot different than it did 20 years ago in many respects, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not being overly critical, but um, in, in the upper deck, there are bleachers along the baseline rather than chair backs, and the grandstand itself is kind of small by SEC standards today. Uh, but, yeah, a, a nice facility. Uh, really really like what they've done, you know, with the playing service. They do a great job keeping things up, even with all that rain on Thursday night. I mean, the uh, the outfield had some, some pooling early on, but uh, – it drained pretty much quickly and uh, very impressed with all that. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a great stadium and uh, it's not duty noble. And it's one of those things too, that uh, again, the more that I travel, the more of these places that I see up close and personal, there's just really not anything out there comparable to duty noble. And, and uh, so anytime that we say that, Oh, it's not duty noble. It's almost like one of those things that kind of goes without saying, but uh, a great venue and the people here have been great uh, for the most part. Uh, and got, got to go downstairs and uh, and see kind of the uh, you know the the lounge area they have underneath for boosters you know similar to the Gridiron Omaha Club that sort of stuff. really really nice really well done a lot of things for uh, for amenities for fans but they're proud of their baseball here I mean they're it's uh, they're a proud program they are a team obviously that uh, has had some success uh, and and maybe by Texas standards. 
Maybe not what you might expect. I mean, I think they've only been to Omaha once uh, in my lifetime, once, maybe twice. Uh, not not the program Mississippi State has been, but uh, but nevertheless, uh, it's uh, definitely a solid contributor uh, to our league uh, and to the SEC West. And uh, we knew coming in this was going to be a very, very difficult weekend for us. Did to try to find a way to win uh, this series to kind of stay in the race and also kind of solidify Mississippi State's position as a top eight potential national seed. We're now at least a game away from doing that. As I said on Wednesday's show, I have felt like 18 and 12 gets you in the conversation. An 18 and 12 SEC record probably gets you in the conversation for a national seed. I think 1911 locks it up. And so that's what makes today so important. Because if you can find a way to get these two today, man, that gives you a lot of breathing room with two weekends left. You know, we need one yesterday. You think, okay, we need five. You, you get these two today. You just need to split the final six, and you get South Carolina, who is among the one of the weaker teams in the conference at home in the final weekend. And then you get an old Miss team that's kind of been a little bit uh, Jekyll and Hyde next weekend. But uh, a big first step taken on uh, on Friday. And uh, so let's let's take some time and kind of get into the ball game there and kind of look at some of the things that went right for Mississippi State uh, as Mississippi State wins that ball game for nothing. Now, let me go ahead and apologize ahead of time. If you hear some background noise here, I am at a place where I am not referred to as Rose Bowl or the Stark Villain or Dad or Mr. Steve. I'm Uncle Steve here. And so I've got uh, twin nephews that are kind of running around being a little bit rambunctious. And so if you hear any of that, I don't want you to be alarmed. Just don't be alarmed. It's it's nice to have family to stay with when you travel. But uh, be that as it may, Mississippi State – we needed to get a good start yesterday out of Ethan Small. We got perhaps the best start we've had out of anybody in a long time. And Ethan Small comes out absolutely dealing. And Chris Lamontis even said in postgame that he felt that he was special and probably felt a little extra special yesterday. Just something about his stuff yesterday seemed to be a little more electric. And uh, you could tell pretty early on that he had brought the strikeout pitch with him uh, strikes out the side, and, and really not, not a lot of competitive at-bats the first time through the order for Texas A&M. It just kind of felt like Ethan was doing whatever he wanted to do. And then for some reason, and I still don't understand this, and, and I talked a little bit to Justin Foskey about it, talked to some of Chris Lamontis, I even asked Ethan about it. I don't understand why it's so difficult for hitters to lay off that high fastball because you would think that's going to be in every scouting report, right? I mean, he does it every single week. And you begin, you know, every hitting coach in the SEC is saying, okay, we've got to find a way to lay off that high heat, but they can't. They just simply can't do it. And it doesn't matter who he's played. And so Justin Foscue talks about how the spin rate on his fastball is so high that it looks like it's going to break. And people, you know, kind of commit to swinging. And the next thing you know, they swing and they swing under it because of the fact that it, doesn't, it just doesn't have any break to it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things early on. He set the tone, and you kind of felt like that he was there. Uh, to kind of make some big things happen. And so the first time through the order for everybody, uh, not much going on at all. Uh, State gets the first hit in the ball game and then finally breaks through there in the fourth inning. And you just kind of felt like the way that Small was was pitching, two runs felt like about five. You know, because it was one of those deals where he wasn't walking many people, he wasn't walking anybody to date. And uh, they just weren't getting good swings, you know, outside of Braden Shoemake. I don't think anybody really barreled anything up the first two times through the order. 
and two runs felt like a lot. It, it really did. But if you're a Mississippi State person, you, you, you kind of remember that uh, that Friday night game in Arkansas where, you know, Ethan was sparkling the first two times through the order and we get a one nothing lead and then things just kind of fell apart. And so that was kind of in the back of my mind. I was thinking, you know what, we need to kind of add to this lead here because I don't know how long he can go. I don't know who's available in the bullpen that um, is well-rested and has good stuff. There are a lot of guys that haven't pitched a lot lately, but it's just one of those things in this league, and as we saw last Sunday against Georgia, you know, no league is ever really safe. You can't just assume that, okay, the ball game is over, they're going to lay down and give us three outs. You have to get off all 27 outs to put a team away. Today it'll be 21, but uh, times two. But you put those two runs up, and then Ethan continued. I think he actually got stronger as the game went along. And then finally in the sixth inning, finally in the sixth inning, uh, they begin to kind of put some balls in play, but it just never really felt like State was in any trouble. It just it just didn't feel that way. Uh, and then they finally get a base runner in the seventh on a hit-by-pitch, and then Small goes to the stretch and then walks a guy on five pitches. And it kind of felt eerily similar to that ball game in Fayetteville. You begin to think, okay, I hope this isn't a here-we-go-again type deal. But that's not what happens at all. And I want to talk at length about kind of what happened in this inning. Uh, you know, so they, you know, they had some things happen. Of course, you, you, got, you got a big out, and then they, uh, they had the sack fly to center, and uh, your runner tags and goes to third. And so you've got runners at first and third with, uh, with two outs. And it was clear that uh, A&M, you know, were, was not going to score without Mississippi State's help. And so you've given them a couple base runners, and now you've got an opportunity to get out of the inning. And uh, I don't know if this was A&M kind of throwing up a white flag. I think it's one of those deals you, you kind of send a negative message to your team when you have to resort to this kind of stuff. And, and I, I called it Bush League on Twitter, and I don't back away from that. Uh, and listen, and, and as much as I love baseball and being a purist, you know, listen, I, I've coached a lot of Little League baseball and some youth trip baseball and some high school baseball. And when you're the inferior team and you know what, you got to get creative. Okay, you got to find a way to score runs. You got to do anything to kind of shake things up and get. I understand it, you know. And so when I call it Bush League, understand some of these things I have done myself. Okay, I'm not saying I'm any better or any worse for anybody else, but uh, I know what it's like as a coach to go out there and, and uh, you know, you, you kind of take issue with a guy's motion or that sort of stuff and you try to get in his head a little bit and you mention. Uh, to an official, you know, hey, listen, that, that kid's a balk. He's, can, can we get him to come set here? Uh, you know, he's not stepping off with his back foot. You, know, you, you try to do things to, number one, to alert the officials that you're paying attention, but also, too, to let this kid know. And so, and sometimes you get a call because of it. All of that came rushing back yesterday when I saw that, that incident play out at third base uh, where they bluffed the runner from third and kind of in hopes of getting Ethan to ball to send home a run. And listen, in that situation, if they do score a run, because it's a two-nothing ball game. If they score a run right there, it's huge. And to give uh, Texas A&M's fans some some real credit here, you know, they didn't have a whole lot to cheer about, you know, through seven innings, six, you know, six and two-thirds there. I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot to cheer about at all. And they stayed engaged. It wasn't a huge crowd, you know, with finals over everybody. A lot of the students have gone, but uh, they were vocal, very into the ball game. I thought they created a great atmosphere. They kept chanting Ethan's name and. Uh, you know, banging on stuff. And listen, that, that's that's life and times on the road in the Southeastern Conference. And I know some people were complaining on Twitter, but listen, you know, I, I don't fault anybody for any of that, for trying to do things to give your team a competitive advantage as long as it's within the rules. And there's nothing wrong with, with cheering and and stomping your feet and that sort of stuff. And, and so Ethan fights through all that. He admitted in the postgame that, yes, he did hear that. And rather than get rattled, 
he kind of used it to his advantage. But uh, but they tried to bluff from third, and rather than uh, turn and throw or go quick to the plate, Ethan does what every trained and experienced pitcher does. He calmly and quietly stepped off the rubber. It's as simple as that. He just stopped play. And then at that point, you know, he could have thrown over and, and thrown the guy out or picked the golf, but he didn't. And so if you go back and watch the replay, and I'm sure many of you have, you will see immediately the hitter kind of motions and calls it a balk. It wasn't a balk. And so the whole thing to me, I believe, and I don't think anybody will ever admit to this publicly, I believe the whole thing is a probably a rehearsed and orchestrated play that A&M has put in. Because there is no way that third base coach thought that was a balk. Now, he may have hoped it was a balk, and I'm sure they called the play trying to uh, influence a balk and hopefully get a balk. But there is no way that I believe that an SEC baseball coach believed that was a balk. I think he politicked for the call. I think everybody involved politicked for the call. And I think the whole thing, again, I think the whole thing was orchestrated in an attempt to try to steal a run. And, uh, yeah, you can say what you want to. I, I think it's a little Bush League, but I also kind of understand it. When you've got a guy that's absolutely dealing, you want to do something to disrupt his rhythm there. But that's what kind of started the little brouhaha. And then, of course, uh, Ethan does what he's supposed to do. They try to do it again the next pitch. And he fights through it and then strikes the guy out on some high heat. And then he turns and kind of flexes the third base coach. And then uh, I did not hear what he said. We're in the press box. So we, you know, I'm not down there. But I'm told he said, let's go. And then some guys from the A&M dugout, and according to the A&M beat reporters that I spoke to, it was Braden Shoemake and uh, Logan Foster that, uh, that were kind of woofing back and forth. And listen, let me tell you this. I got no problem with any of that. None. You know, I, like, I got no problem with Ethan showing emotion. I got no problem with A&M showing emotion. It is an emotional ball game. The stakes are high. Postseason resumes are being built right here. I got no problem with anybody being a little bit elevated emotionally in a situation like that. None whatsoever. And I know some people, some of our folks were kind of critical uh, of the A&M folks. I, I, I am not. I, I, I understand that the game is played and when there's a lot at stake and when you've invested so much of your time uh, and your emotion into this ball game. And, uh, and so when somebody gets the better of you, and in, in, in that situation, Ethan Small got the better of A&M, and I really felt like won the game right there. I really felt like that was A&M's best chance, and that was self-inflicted, remember? They get two base runners by the hit-by-pitch and the walk, and they can't manufacture a single hit uh, to drive those guys in. And I just felt like Ethan kind of took their will from them. And so what happens after that, you know, and give the home plate official some credit. He immediately kind of follows, you know, small the dugout, tells everybody to calm down. They meet with the crew. They give both benches an official warning. That's what they should have done. And, and, you know, I know Lamont said post-game, hey, you hate to see that happen. I, I, don't, I don't know that he means it. I think that's kind of a disingenuous comment. But uh, he has to say that publicly, okay? I mean, he's the coach. He can't come out there and endorse that. But I think behind closed doors, I think Chris is probably pr pretty fired up to see his guy, to see his ace go out there and get a big out and then uh, be able to kind of back it up a little bit. And uh, I think that whole incident really woke up the Bulldogs because what happened next is – uh, they take the field. A&M goes back out there, and State has all the momentum, and State builds on that momentum. Jake Mangum absolutely rips a single uh, into center field, 
And then Westberg hits one about 105 through Braden Shoemake. And, uh, you know, if Shoemake makes that play, it's probably a double play because the ball is hit so hard, you're probably going to get two there. But he doesn't. Uh, he whiffs, ball gets through, and there's two runners on. And so, and that, that brings me to, a, to a, a larger point, okay? As I said, I have no problem with those A&M guys woofing, defending their team, defending their home turf, defending their program. But you can't get out there and woof and then go out there and get an E6 that leads to two runs. That that that's kind of the, that's the risk you run when you when you when you when you run your mouth you've got to be able to get out there and defend your position, and so Westberg rips that ball absolutely rips that ball uh, through the, the the box back at the box and and uh, Shoemaker should have made the play didn't make the play charged with an error. You bunt those guys over they intentionally walk McNamee and you just felt like you know what State is fixing to put this game away and that is exactly what happened. Justin Foskey comes up. Absolutely rips a ball through shortstop. I don't know that Shoemaker should have made that play, but uh, it was kind of ironic that uh, both of the big balls put in play in that inning uh, were hit in his direction. And so, uh, two-run score, and then you know Magnamy is thrown out going to third. Not sure why he made that decision to go, uh, but he does, and he's out there. And so it's now a four-nothing ball game. You lift Ethan Small and you bring in Jared Liebelt, who has and you know what a transformation, man. I mean, Jared Liebelt, in many respects, last year was kind of the white flag guy. And uh, he has become State's most reliable, right-handed, long reliever on this squad. I, I don't think there's any question. I don't think you could argue against anybody else. When when Leaves comes into the ballgame, I expect six outs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just one of those things. When I saw him come trotting in, I was hoping Ethan would get another inning. Uh, you know, I guess in my heart of hearts, I was really hoping that he would get the full nine. But I know better. You know, with, you know. You know, you just can't take guys 125, 30, 130 pitches anymore. You can't do it. And um, even with the, you know with the four-run lead, you bring in Leaves, and you just kind of felt when he came in, I said, you know what, this will at least get us through the eighth. They're, they're not going to be able to put anything together. And then they finally get a hit with two outs in the eighth inning, just a sinking line drive there. And you know what, in a regular situation, Jake Mankin probably plays that ball off the hop. But instead, he lays out for it, trying to make a play for his team, preserves no hitter, doesn't get, doesn't, doesn't come up with it. That's okay. I mean, that's what I expect from Jake and really anybody in that situation. Uh, Rowdy runs it down, they get a double, and then the very next pitch is a, you know, a little can of corn out the right field. And the inning's over, and then they go quietly in the ninth with three ground outs, and um, Shoemaker being one of them, he goes over four, and uh, you know, had a couple of plays where he hit the ball hard. And listen, Brandon Shoemaker is an outstanding player. He is the guy at Texas A&M, and uh, he's robbed of extra bases when Jake Mangum, you know, flexes out there in, in left center, and then Justin Foscue trying to preserve uh, the no-hitter there, I guess, in the sixth inning, uh, lays out, makes a great play, throws to Tanner Allen, there's a collision at first, and yes, Shoemaker was out, but man, what a great effort. It really felt like he kind of pulled up, like he like he kind of took an uneven stride there, uh, seeing Tanner Allen positioned where he was. It was kind of a, a wild situation, just grateful that everybody's okay. But you win the ballgame, and uh, it's a huge, huge win for Mississippi State in a situation now. And it's one of those things I've, all, I've always felt like w- when you have to play two, if you're the team that comes out here, okay, and thinking, okay, we, we've already got the one. We need to get one to secure the series. If you win game two, which is the first game today, I love being able to play the next one right behind it. 
because it doesn't give them a chance to regroup emotionally. It doesn't give a co- the, the chance for the coaches to kind of reconvene and say, okay, listen, look at this film, look at that. This is what they're doing. This is how they're defending you. It's also abbreviated. And so when you have somebody on the ropes, I think a doubleheader allows you the opportunity to kind of put them away. And, and I believe Mississippi State's got a great chance to do that. You can lead into the weekend. I did not expect Mississippi State to sweep. I felt we would win the series, and, and to be honest with you, the games that I, the, the two games I was worried the most about was last night's game and in game three. I really worried about those two, and I, I felt I really felt like uh, that that ball game, you know, with the with the two aces would be one of those two one three one ball games, and you know, you just never know when somebody's still in left hander and, and listen. Uh, Doc Sekis has had some some ups and downs this year, but that's a very, very talented pitcher. He had some control issues yesterday. But I worried a little bit about that when I thought runs would really be at a premium, and they were. We only had the seven hits, but we got some timely hits and kind of put the game away. But, I, but I've always felt confident about the JT Ginn one because I, I just felt like that's one. Our number two is better than their number two. And then you get to game three, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of who has some pitching left. And, uh, and so we'll see how that, that kind of breaks out. But uh, I, I would not rule out Peyton Plumley in game three. I think you'll see a Peyton Plumley-Keegan-James combo of sorts. Don't know how that works out. I guess we'll kind of see how things play out in game one, and uh, they'll make some decisions. But the bottom line is Mississippi State in a great position right now uh, to kind of push this thing ahead. Uh, so I want to remind you guys, too, we're going to be back, uh, back in Starville late, late tonight, early tomorrow morning. And uh, one of the first things that I'm going to do – uh, when I get back to town, I'm going to take some time off, and I'm going to go to Bulldog Burger Company. I encourage you to do the same. You can treat yourself to a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and there's only one place in Starkville you can do that, and that's Bulldog Burger Company. It is the place where the cool kids go to break bread, and if you're listening to this show, chances are you're one of us. So I encourage you to go by there, find your own favorites, get involved, get plugged in, follow them on Instagram, on social media. You'll be well aware of their specials. They have drink specials. They've got the great... Uh, off-menu specials, some new hamburgers they throw in from time to time. Ahi tuna was a recent one. But uh, the bottom line is this. There's just not a better place to go find a great hamburger in the Golden Triangle, perhaps the entire state of Mississippi, the Bulldog Burger Company. Go by. Find your own favorites. Some big news coming from those folks here in the coming weeks. So let's look into uh, today. We, we mentioned uh, you know, JT Ginn will get the start. Uh, Ginn has been outstanding since he has uh, been back. You know, he had a little abbreviated time there. And, of course, uh, everybody would, would sources, you know, uh, suggested that he was done for the year. You know, and it's one of those things. I'm going to remind you guys this. Most people on social media and message boards and that kind of stuff that claim a source, their source is somebody else that's claiming a source. Or they're trying to get out and establish some credibility and say, see, I told you so. They, they never come back later and apologize. It never happens. They never come back and say, hey, guys, well, I guess my guy was wrong or I was wrong, or I made the whole thing up. It just didn't happen that way. And as I said on this show and on our website, jeanspage.com, back then, it was just a matter of some arm soreness. That's all it was. They gave him some time off. They did an MRI as a precaution to make sure that he was good. He was fine. And he's right back. And he was absolutely sparkling last weekend. And I think that he is in a good situation. And I'm expecting a good outing from him. I, you know, he, I have a lot of confidence in JT again. When he's on the mound, he is a guy that I think, you know what? We've got a great chance to win with him, and uh, and he has performed admirably all year long, and so I expect uh, a good outing from him. I would suspect 
that Peyton Plumley will start game three. There's been some rumors about that, but uh, I don't know that there's been any official declaration. So I think we'll kind of manage game two and see how things go. But uh, I suspect we'll see Keegan James either game two or three. It's not sure in what capacity. And so let's just work through the weekend and find a way to win. In order for State to go deep in the postseason, we're going to need somebody besides Ethan Small and JT getting the pitch. Okay. And so part of that's going to be about finding not a lot of midweek games left. You know, we've got Memphis losing a tech left, but uh, you got to find to get some innings for Keegan. You got to find a way to get some for Peyton. You got to get some bullpen innings too. Uh, but thankfully, we didn't have to use but two pitchers yesterday. So we ought to be in good shape today to kind of manage through this deal. Uh, but again, Big, big day for Mississippi State baseball. And one of the reasons why is because uh, when you look at the league, and let's do that right now. First of all, let's run through yesterday's scores. One of the things we want to do, we want to sweep, but we don't want anybody else to sweep. And I'm afraid Vanderbilt's going to sweep. But uh, all that said, uh, of course, Mississippi State wins your ballgame 4-0 last night. Arkansas, 5-2 winners over Kentucky. Man, if Kentucky could just take one, their best chance to win might be today. Uh, but, yeah, you'd like to get that win there. You'd like to find a way for K- Kentucky to get one from Arkansas. Uh, Tennessee takes uh, takes down Missouri 11-5 yesterday. I don't know what's happened to them with their, their starting pitching. They're, they're kind of beginning to work a little bit. But uh, be that as it may, uh, they're, they're putting some runs on the board. Auburn takes down Alabama 5-1. Georgia takes down Florida 6-4. And then Vanderbilt 22-11 winners over South Carolina. South Carolina – is on the verge of having an overall losing record. They're currently 24 and 21. They got a couple games left of Vanderbilt, a couple games left of Mississippi State. There is a real chance that South Carolina will end the year below 500. And man, what a wild turn of events when you consider where that program was uh, under Ray Tanner. It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, Ole Miss eight three losers uh, down in Baton Rouge. I don't know if you know this. Uh, maybe you've been asleep or haven't been on social media, but uh, Mike Bianco's son hit a home run and then uh, bat flipped uh, the Rebels. And um, big win for them. LSU now at 30 and 16, Ole Miss 30 and 17. So, what does all that mean, uh, you know, for the league? Well, and, and that's a great question because uh, we're all sitting here kind of watching, scoreboard watching right now because we're. we're Getting down to the nitty-gritty, and you really want Mississippi State to finish in the top four so we avoid uh, playing the you know, first day at Hoover. But Vanderbilt and Arkansas are at the top of the league, tied at 16-6. and six. 16 wins, 6 losses. Georgia, Mississippi State, LSU, right there at 14-8. and eight. So we are currently two games out of first place. But there is a mad scramble for those third and fourth spots. Now, State can take a big step up the standings today. And uh, what we really want, again, is we want no, we don't want anybody else to sweep. Uh, we want to find a way. I know that sounds crazy, but we'd like to see LSU split these final two games uh, with Ole Miss because we want to be able to pick up a game with everybody. So State needs to handle business and then get a little help from some other teams. Uh, but the bottom line is you have to keep pace with the leaders. And I think, again, if you can find a way to get the 19 wins, I think that locks up a top eight national seed. Mississippi State – Again, it's also played in front of a lot of national media, so State's getting a lot of good press. We've had uh, uh, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball is here this weekend. Uh, seen Aaron Fit a couple times this year. Uh, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. We had Mark Atheridge at Duty Noble last weekend, and, and Kendall Rogers told me yesterday he is the only guy at D1 Baseball that has not been to the new dude 
Uh, may do that in the postseason or next season. But uh, so Mississippi State is getting some respect and getting some attention from the people to cover college baseball. And that's one. Of the, that's really all you can ask for because when you're in the conversation, when and and I don't know if there's anybody that, to be honest with you. The guys that cover college baseball, because there are so few of them, and I mean from a national perspective, those guys work exceptionally hard. They have to see a lot of teams. And so in college football, it seems like there is a college football insider everywhere you look. That's not the case in college baseball. There aren't as many people. But when there is a consensus opinion that Mississippi State is a bona fide national championship contender, uh, that is an important situation. And it's one of those things, when, when we follow a team, we tend to kind of focus on the things that are negative about a team. We think, man, we got we got to find a way to get a third and fourth starter. And I think we're, we're beginning to do that. I think Peyton Plumlee has emerged as that guy. And I think Keegan James will be as good as anybody as the fourth guy. Uh, and so, and then you think, oh, we, we've got to find a way to get things settled at third base. You know, uh, you're, you're just more acutely aware of the things that go on with your team. But when I talk to other people around the league, they're all like, man, this Mississippi State team is loaded from top to bottom. Man, this Mississippi State team is so difficult. Mississippi State's capable of winning it all. And uh, while we talk about Vanderbilt, you know, you know, and here's the thing, you know, Vanderbilt should probably get up every day and be very grateful they don't play Mississippi State because I don't think that Mississippi State is a great matchup for Vanderbilt. I think Mississippi State could beat Vanderbilt, and I think Mississippi State beat Vanderbilt at, at the Super Regionals in Nashville last year. Uh, and so there's a lot of confidence. And so – uh, I'll, I'll take that matchup right now. I mean, that, that absolutely does not concern me or bother me. And I think when Mississippi State is playing good baseball, and I thought we played great baseball yesterday. We didn't hit the baseball as well as we'd hoped. But listen, that's kind of Friday night in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like you're not you're not going to go out there and pound out a lot of runs against a quality opponent. It's, it's one thing to, to face a team that's trying to find a sense of itself that's playing out the string. But Texas A&M's got a lot to play for. You know, they're still trying to play their way into a potential hosting uh, designation. And they're right there on the cusp. And so this is a huge series for them. So you know you're going to get their best effort from their best guy. I didn't think he was at his best, but I thought he did a good enough job to kind of keep State off balance. That State had to kind of bunch some things together to put the game away. Uh, But the bottom line is this, is that Mississippi State finds a way to win that game uh, against a team that is still playing for a whole lot. Now, today will be a little different. I think A&M is on their heels a little bit. I expect, especially after what happened at the end of the seventh, the emotional way that that ball game ended. And, yeah, there was some, there was some glares and stuff after the, the ball game was over, but that, that's just two teams competing hard against one another. A&M will come out today. It'll be a new team in the dugout today. They're going to come out. And that's why I think it's so important for JT again to have a good outing. If JT can get them on their heels a little bit and State can find a way to get a good start, if you can get a couple of runs up early – and kind of get them pressing a little bit, and kind of get them doubting a little bit, uh, then I think you can take the day, and uh, that could be a huge weekend. You know, we're still kind of getting over uh, the ramifications of uh, losing that entire series at, at Arkansas. So we're still kind of making up for lost time. You can kind of get right a little bit. You can at least get one of those games back this weekend and kind of get one step closer to where you wanted to be. Uh, and, you know, talking with Chris Lamonis, you know, th- there's a lot of confidence on the team right now, but they're still pretty even killed. I mean, as emotional as things got yesterday, uh, I have watched these guys kind of interact on social media. Uh, they were excited to see Ethan show that kind of emotion because that's not who he is, if you know what I'm saying. Like, if you're ever around him and you, you watch us interview him in postgame, he's very collected. 
Uh, he's very calm. He just doesn't get elevated like that. And so to see him get up like that, I think that kind of sends a signal to everybody else. Is, you know what? This, this is big boy baseball. Okay. And here's what we're going to do. You can come out here and trot your U-Triple-S-A uh, Bush League stuff, and we're still going to get you out, and then we're going to look at you and talk about it. And all you've got to do in response is shut up and pitch. Uh, and that's kind of how the whole thing felt yesterday. And so I think in many respects, because Mississippi State managed the emotional part of that game better, I think they will come out today very calm, collected. But I think the Bulldogs are a little bit agitated you know, I, I don't think they cared for any of that. I don't think that, I think they felt disrespected. And one of the things that I have learned about life is you don't disrespect people that have a little more ability than you. This doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. You don't go poke the bear. And I believe that happened. And so I expect State to come out and be very aggressive today. And I think if you, if you can get the big lead and put the game away early in game two, and you start making them think about game three, I think this could be something that really is a turning point in a season for Mississippi State. And you say, Steve, it's a turning point. We've lost nine games. What I mean is I think we will kind of grow into our expectations. I think going on the road and sweeping anybody is huge. That's why I think today is such a big moment in the season. That If we can find a way to win both of these games today and pick up one of those games we gave away at Arkansas, and stay right back in this thing, and maybe we get some help around the league, and maybe we pick up a game on the leaders, and maybe we hit the last two weekends one game out of first place. And I, and I told you guys after Arkansas, we, we, our margin for error to chase an SEC title was pretty much non-existent now. We're going to have to have some help from some other teams, but if you can just begin to whittle away and find a way to get a, get get one back this week with two weekends left. You just never know what's going to happen. You never know how things are going to play out. And you got one more road series, and then you've got arguably the worst team in the conference coming to your place for the final weekend. They're going to be so ready for the season to be over with no hope of the postseason. Uh, you know, they're not going to make they're not going to make Hoover. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament field. They're going to be playing out the string. You've got a chance to to hammer them. And, and I don't you know you'll never count your chickens before they hatch. But you got to feel like that if State can find a way to sweep today and then win a game, maybe two, it'll miss. Cause you, and you never know which Ole Miss team is going to show up. they got some talent on that team, too. But they're really beginning to doubt themselves. And I think they're in for a long weekend in Baton Rouge. I really do. But you find a way. You begin to kind of piece this thing together. And you realize how close you are to some really, really major things. Really, really major things. Uh, and, you, you know, pick up a couple non-conference wins, and then you begin to think, okay, you know, we're beginning to play our best baseball. We're beginning to figure some things out. We're beginning to kind of gel as a team. And uh, nothing says that more than going on the road and, and winning a big road series against an NCAA tournament team. It's not like we're, you know, we're, we're playing Wesley College. It's Texas A&M. This is a team that uh, has historically – uh, been very, very competitive at NCAA tournament field. And so uh, the bottom line is it was a huge win on Friday, but today could be an even bigger day uh, for Mississippi State baseball. And I think that's uh, kind of what the focus is right now. I want to remind you guys, we will be back at Dirty Noble Field on uh, on Tuesday. And uh, I want to remind you, too, about that Louisiana Tech game. That is a free admission game. It's a first-come, first-served deal for regular seating. 
So two more non-conference games. Both those are going to be on, on uh, I guess we've got a Wednesday game uh, this week. So we've got Memphis on Wednesday. It's made. That's a 6.30 first pitch. Then we'll travel to Ole Miss and then come back Tuesday, May 14th, to play Louisiana Tech. Again, that's going to be, I believe, I believe it's going to be a 6.30 first pitch, 6 or 6.30. But either way, check that for yourself. But uh, free admission, and they're going to ask for donations. And so then we'll have South Carolina, and then the regular season's over. I mean, that, we're down to the nitty-gritty, folks. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, the doubleheader today, you have two, then you got the Memphis game gives you three, then the six, the three at Ole Miss gives you six, seven, you got ten, ten regular season games left. Ten. You got a chance to win them all. But it's one of those things you begin to kind of look at what's possible and think, you know what? If we can find a way to win both today, win those two non-conference games, sweep South Carolina and possibly get one or two at Ole Miss, man, that puts you in a prime position to make a run at Omaha and, and really be a contender and not really look at this thing and say, okay, well, we, we got lucky because so-and-so lost. We didn't have to play so-and-so. Mississippi State is a great baseball team. We knew coming into this year expectations were going to be high, but we are beginning to fulfill those expectations. And uh, today is a huge step towards doing that. And so uh, I'm going to encourage you, if you're in the area, please come out and check us out. And uh, I'll be hitting the road soon, uh, head over to College Station to, uh, uh, to cover the, the two ball games, and then we'll head home. And uh, hopefully going home, uh, you know, with a series win, possibly even more. But uh, it is a big day for Mississippi State baseball. I want to remind you guys, too, this next week I will be finishing up uh, the final chapters for the book Stark Villains. And uh, there will there'll be some rewrites and some edits. We'll take some time. We'll kind of get the, the, the production part of it finished there. And then that book will be available. And uh, excited for you to, guys to have that book in your hands, some great stories, some things that I have learned about Mississippi State that I never knew. I can't wait for you guys to have it. You can go ahead and order your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com and uh, go ahead and begin repping the brand. And I'm telling when you read this book, you're gonna, you're, everybody's going to want to wear those shirts. Just like the Rose Bowl was right shirts. We sold so many of those. Uh, you're going to want these Stark Villains shirts. And I've got other people that are handling that now. It's so much easier. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Please, please, please go buy the shirts. Look forward to seeing you guys out there. So we're going to have a couple more times to get together at Duty Noble this, this year. And then we're going to have some postseason baseball. Uh, so, and I did see Kendall Rogers and I did ask him jokingly if Mississippi State's going to host, uh, he just kind of deadpan and looked at me, <laughs> but no, uh, Mississippi State obviously in a great position to host and now can take some steps to kind of lock up that uh, national seat and, and ensure themselves of hosting a regional and a super regional should they advance. And I just feel like the dogs don't lose at home and, uh, got a good chance to get back to Omaha and that's what we had all hoped for and kind of look forward to. So kind of an abbreviated show today as I'm doing one for the road, but, uh, Look forward to being back with you guys on Monday. Hope that your weekend is outstanding. And until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people see a difference in the way we live.